This morning, I invite you to imagine with me that you are planning a wedding. Imagine this morning that you are planning a wedding, that this is a wedding for someone that you dearly love, someone who is perhaps your child or perhaps a lifelong friend of yours, that you are going to plan this wedding for this loved one. And because of you are so connected with this person, this special person in your life, you want their wedding to be a special event. You want it to be the kind of wedding where the guests will want to attend. This is not just going to be a normal wedding. This is going to be a one-of-a-kind event like no other wedding ever had. So you design the service and you plan the reception so that everything will be provided for the guests. And there will be ample room for everyone to attend. There's not going to be a question about is there enough room? There will be plenty of food and drink. The celebration will be a memorable celebration and it will be a wedding that will touch people's lives. You want this wedding to be a life-changing event. So you do all of your preparations and everything comes together just as you have planned. The time arrives for the invitations to be sent, your friends and some of your acquaintances and all the people that will bring meaning to the wedding because they're special to you, you send them invitations because you want them to come to this special one-of-a-kind celebration. You issue the invitations and you wait. You rest easy at this time because by this time you know that all the big decisions have pretty much been seen to. Of course, there are many details that will be done at the last minute, but by this time, by the time the invitations are sent out, you are pleased with how things are coming together so well. But then things begin to change. One day you receive an RSVP in the mail and on the card is checked the box, regrets, unable to make the wedding. You shrug it off. This was from your cousin twice removed who you don't know that well and kind of an always annoyed you anyway with her style of dress and her loud, brash behavior. Probably best that she didn't come anyway. Not that big of a loss. Surely the wedding will go on just fine without her. But the next day, another RSVP arrives, and it too is Mark declined. This was from your old college roommate, and even though you haven't seen each other for several years, you kind of expected at least that your college roommate would come to such an important event in your life. You panic, and you think for just a moment that maybe you scheduled this wedding on the wrong weekend. Maybe you scheduled the wedding to take place during the Iowa-Iowa State football game, and maybe that's why the people are not coming. But of course, that game was played last month, and even though it went into three overtimes, it did finally end, so that can't be it. Then the RSVPs become more rapid in their arrival to your mailbox. You open each one, and each one is re was marked with the word decline, rejection. You stand there looking at that big pile of no. Your heart sinks in your chest, and you can't believe that no one wants to come to your party. 
You grab all those RSVPs and you cross-check it against your invitation list. There are a few people yet who have to yet to respond, and so you pick up the phone and you call them and you ask them directly, I've got a wedding party that I'm preparing. Won't you please come? The first one says, no, I cannot come. I've got to work that day. I have a project due soon, and I just can't get out of it. The next person says, no, I cannot come. I've got to be out in the fields that day. The weather is nice now, and I've got to get the beans in before the weather turns. Certainly, you understand. Another response says, no, we cannot come that day. Our son just got invited to be part of a traveling team, and they're gone to Cedar Rapids that day. Certainly, you'd understand. Your heart is broken. You are sad and completely dumbfounded. You can't understand why those who are closest to you, the people you have loved the most, are not coming to the most important event that you have ever planned. So you go to bed that night wondering what to do. You toss and you turn most of the night unable to sleep. And finally, when you do fall asleep, you dream again of this wedding. You dream again of the reception that this is a celebration beyond compare, where there is plenty of food and drink, ample room for everyone, a celebration where everything is provided, and all you expect people to do is just come to the celebration and participate in the wedding. The dream helps you push through the shame that you feel. And the next morning you wake up with a new renewed sense of resolve. This wedding is for someone that you love so much that you are determined that the wedding must take place. And so that is when you make your fruitful decision. You decide that You decide that it's not so important who comes to the wedding. You decide that the most important thing is that the wedding itself takes place. It's the party that's the thing. So now you change your strategy out of your great love. You post an open invitation in the Muscatine Journal. You place an ad that shows up on channel 9 so that anyone with a TV knows that they are invited to come to the celebration. You invite people through social media networks. You even get savvy enough to use Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And you get some help and you go around town posting signs wherever they will let you post a sign so that the wedding for your loved one will continue regardless. The wedding is just too important not to happen. So finally, the day arrives, and the wedding celebration begins. People do begin to come, and they come from everywhere. People that you have seen around town, but you had forgotten their names, they come. People that you had heard about, but you weren't even sure that they actually existed, they come. People that you're pretty sure that had been in jail before, they come. People you didn't even know, they also showed up. 
It seems like a strange mix of people at first, people who otherwise might not have ever been in the same room are all there together. People from the upper class, people from the lower class, people with no class, people from the west side, people from the south side, those who had grown up in town and have grandparents in the cemetery, and those who were new to town, those who wore suits and ties, and people who had no nice clothes at all. They were all there. And that's when things began to get really interesting at their wedding because even though most of the people didn't really know each other when they walked in the door, it didn't seem to matter much anymore. Your loved one, your beloved one, the one to be married was so evidently full of love that the love began to flow to everyone in the room. The love, you could even call it grace, it drew all the strangers and all the nobodies and all the aliens together, both the good and the bad. They became like one big mass of people who were all there to celebrate the gift of life and the gift of love. You knew that this wedding was important to you, but now it seemed that the wedding was becoming important to everyone else too. Somehow, this wedding, this one event, this one-of-a-kind event impacted their lives, too. Somehow, it impacted their lives to the point that they began to act differently. People who had come in the doors looking lost or looking fearful or feeling anxiety or feeling stress, all of those things began to dissipate, and the people began to be lighter and more free and more grounded and centered in their existence. And not only that, the people who at first didn't even know each other began, out of love, began to take care of each other more intently. And they began to support, support each other with intentional compassion. The people began to give and share with each other with a sense of sacrifice, but also with a sense of humility. As you scan the room, you are amazed at the transformation that was taking place. You noticed someone fall down on the dance floor, and then you realized that they hadn't fallen. They had actually been tripped. But instead of holding a grudge or things breaking out in a barroom brawl like you would expect, there was forgiveness. There was understanding. It was like a miracle was taking place, and you wonder how something like this could have come about. But then you notice one person who was there who was not participating with the rest of the party. The person you notice had shown up as the invitation allowed them to, of course, but it seemed that that person was there just for food and for the drink. You figured this out because you notice that this one person who isn't involved in any sort of relationship with the others, the person was engaged, yes, but it was only on a superficial level. It wasn't like the person was just shy or reserved. It was more like the person had a barrier or a wall that kept them from being vulnerable or intimate with the rest. As a result, this person was not giving and sharing food like the others. This person was not helping others with compassion like the others did. 
This person wasn't seemingly to be interested in sharing life with the others. They just wanted to be there and partake of what was offered, but not willing to give or willing to grow. And you think to yourself, what is this person doing here? But then you remember, oh yes, I did invite everyone, didn't I? So it's not like this person doesn't belong at the wedding party. It's just that when I invited these people in, I expected more than just showing up. So you approach the person and you say, friend, why are you here? Why aren't you participating in the party like everyone else is? Why do you just want to be entertained and not changed? This wedding is about love. And so the party is about love. And love changes your relationships. Why are you even here? You must be lonely in that prison that you have chosen to live inside. So why don't you join the others and become something new? But the person remains silent, empty, lost. There is a moment where you sense a darkness, a pain, kind of like a scream, a weeping, a gnashing of teeth. And you momentarily you remember all those people that you had invited earlier who didn't show up, all those who didn't care to come, and you are sad. But then, but then you turn again and see the wedding party taking place. You see the great feast where there is abundance and enough to share plenty for everyone. You see your loved one, your beloved, and you see how so many lives are changed. And you are at peace because the wedding party is still going on. You remember that people, and you rejoice that people had come in because they, yes, they were invited. And you rejoice that at the wedding, the people who came, they learned that they didn't have to be good. That they didn't have to be right. That they didn't have to follow all the rules. That they didn't have to check things off of a checklist. Because when you fall in love with the groom, all you really want to do is to let go and enjoy the feast.